Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is Cole. And this is Ron. We are the creative team. Asking the tough questions like, hey Cole. Yeah, Ron? What if Hulkamania never ran wild? Hey, Ron. Yes, Cole? What if Rick wasn't ravishing? That's rude. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Cole, I got an idea. I can see that. Hey, Ron, I got an idea. I love it. My sister, Candace Murray. Look, up in the sky, it's the creative team. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another exciting episode of... The Creative Team! Wow, you jumped on that super early this time to make up for the delay last time, huh? Are we awake now? (laughs) Yes, sir. That was bright and loud. Oh, but anyway, with me as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilborn. Ronald, how you doing today, bud? I'm splendiferous, which is a new word that is going forward as a greeting today. Um, How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Doing great. Uh... You know, uh, the last Take It Up with Creative we did was fun. And uh, I just, Ronald, you just kicked ass. Speaking (laughs) of work, I mean, we just wrote one of the best works in wrestling history, and it didn't even happen. Oh, man. So, yes, of course, we are talking about the last Take It Up with Creative we did was Owen Hart. After Montreal. Yeah, after the Montreal Screwjob. And Ronald... Just knocked it out of the park with deciding Owen was going to be a shit heel the next night on Monday Night Raw and celebrate that Bret Hart was finally gone. And uh, I'm still reeling from that. I know I got to pick my game up uh, for the for the, the take it ups now. Oh man, no, no, pick me up because you know I love the idea of Owen Hart being a babyface, but I just figured it was the it was the thing everyone expected, and uh, I really wanted to risk it. You know, I'm known for taking risks on here. Uh, good or bad, shout out to Bull Nakano and Cactus Jack. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was fun. It, it was kind of like, you know, it, that just kind of threw up out of my brain, out of my brain, and I just wanted to, I couldn't wait to talk about it. You know, I was like, whoa, whoa what do you want to cover today? Let's do the Owen Hart one. Let's do it. Uh, we've got a busy month coming up ahead of us. We're going to be doing a 2021 fantasy draft coming up. Um, are you excited for that one? The Race for Walter. Oh, as yes. You're dubbing it on the show. Cole and I are putting the cards on the table as far as who we're going going for first. We usually keep our uh, cards close to the chest, but it's pretty self-explanatory that he and I are both going for Walter. So whoever wins this coin toss, a fair, real coin toss, uh, which is something that I have to say after learning things last week. <laughs> That's right, everyone. Cole's been working the coin toss. It all you, makes you didn't sense. Think- you didn't think it was a coincidence that you won every single coin toss ever? No, it, it, was, a, it was a coin incidence. So, <laughs> I just coined that phrase. Oh, so, oh. moving on. Uh, we have another Take It Up with Creative. And, you know, just to keep the momentum of great ring technicians going and fantastic heels, uh, what better way to talk about another one of our favorites? William Regal. Steven Regal. Whatever Regal you want to go with. The man's man. Well... 
maybe not today, but William Regal in general. We are talking about the man, the commissioner, the king of the ring, the master of the Regal stretch, the master of the Regal cutter, which is a pretty innovative move at the time. Uh, love the man, big fan of his. Uh, how do you feel about Steven Regal? I, I feel like that since we were putting Walter over so hard, um, that if we dropped our ourselves back into that time frame, um, we might very well consider uh, William Regal to be our own personal Walter uh, in 2000, 2001. Now, it's hard because this was in, uh, let's just let's just be honest about the year 2001, 2000. Um, the WWF basically killed all of the territories back in the 80s by assembling the greatest professional wrestling roster of talent ever assembled. Uh, I mean, they, they went from, you know, the, the days of Bruno San Martino and uh, having Bob Backlund, and then you'd build up big names here and there along the way to keep those title reigns interesting. Um, but in, in 1985, uh, all of a sudden, they went from having a roster of a handful of main event top talent to having a, just a locker room full of all the top talent from all of the territories all over the country. I mean, when you're talking about Greg the Hammer Valentine, Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, and then shortly after that you follow up with Kurt Henning and Ravishing Rick Rude and Ted DiBiase and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and you just assembled this insane roster. Um, that's why WWF was able to take over the cable airwaves because they had recognizable talent from all of these territories. So when they went in and, uh, let's say, uh, convinced these TV stations to pull the local wrestling show off and put their show on instead, the fans weren't too disappointed because there were a bunch of people they recognized. Well, in the year 2000, um, WWF, uh, well, WCW had kind of done the opposite to Vince McMahon, and they stole all of their top guys. And so what happened was the middle part of their roster was unable to elevate themselves to the top. So a lot of their guys that really started getting a bit of a fan following in WCW started falling, finding their way back to WWF. You know, it started with stunning Steve Austin and, uh, you know, of course, Cactus Jack became Mankind. And then, uh, you know, they were fortunate enough to come up with their own new stars like The Rock and they found Ken Shamrock. But all of a sudden in 2000, there was a big swing. And Chris Jericho, who really had been make, getting over in WCW with, uh, of course, our favorite, his manager, Ralphus. <laughs> the reason uh, but, AEW yes. exists. Yes, Ralphus. <laughs> a little Easter egg for the loyal fans and listeners to our podcast here. But... Uh, you know, so Chris Jericho went first, and then they got the group, the whole entire group of the Radicals, which, of course, was Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, and Perry Saturn. And uh, their rumor was Shane uh, Douglas was supposed to be involved in that as well, uh, but that didn't quite happen. And then in the year 2001, when Vince just bought WCW, there was another influx of talent. And the very next year, we would get Hulk Hogan, Paul and Nash, uh, Goldberg eventually came back. I mean, everybody ended up in the WWF and slash WWE because that's when the name change happened, basically at the same time. So WCW spent all these years making all these big stars 
and Vince McMahon all you know grew homegrown talent and took their mid card guys and elevated them. And so all of a sudden we had kind of a repeat of 1985 in the year 2001, 2002, and it's arguably right up there. These two rosters, these two years, uh, you could make the argument that these are the two greatest professional wrestling rosters ever assembled. And so it's kind of hard to put William Regal uh, just on top of the card when there's so much incredible talent around there. But uh, I think to finish up my point after I filibustered for five minutes here on a tangent, uh, William Regal was our Walter back in 2001. (laughs) Yes, uh, after three boring minutes of a history lesson, folks, we now know (laughs) that William Regal was highly regarded in our fandom. Because you couldn't come up with that on your own by just the very existence of this episode. You didn't like my story? I loved your story, but, you know, did the audience. I'm sure they did. Because I'm sure they did, too. History. You know, school's in session, and all the coal kids are doing it. And uh, <laughs> jump aboard the Ron Stoppable Coal Train. Coal, after all that filibustering and history lesson of the wrestling business and how we got there, can you please remind the world of the career that is William Regal? All right. So, uh, you know, I could do his whole career, but we're, we're going to focus on 2000 on. Uh, and really, since September 18th of the year 2000, William Regal has been with the WWE. Um, and that's an impressive run in and of itself um, because his first run in 1998 did not go so well. Um, he was up there. Um, and they gave him the, the man's man gimmick. Uh, and you, you gave us a rousing rendition of that at the close of last episode. Uh, and, and uh, how's that song go, Ronald? He's a man, such a man, a real, real man's man. <laughs> now I will say, I will say. Uh, that song popped me really hard back in the day, and we absolutely loved it. And uh, but I mean, we were William Regal marks anyway. Uh, I know you will recall um, because this about this time. And oh, in- since you're in a filibustering mood, would you like to tell the world what we used that song for? <laughs> oh, do we have to? <laughs> I don't. Okay, so back in the early 2000s, there was this wonderful uh, skit on Mad TV. I do believe it was Mad TV, correct? Where they had the ambiguously gay duo. That is SNL. Oh, it was on SNL? Yes, sir. I thought that was too risque for SNL. Hey. But whatever. So they had the ambiguously gay duo on SNL. And uh, so it inspired a character um, just for me. It was called the ambiguously gay man. And I wore a mask and uh, because we all needed to have at least two gimmicks. And I came out and ripped off every, you know, kind of bad, stereotypical wrestling uh, gay character that there was. I think Queeley was doing one at the time. And, uh, you know, Lanny Poffo did the flamboyant stuff. And really, it goes all the way back to Gorgeous George in the 50s, who was doing the real flamboyant stuff and over the top, you know, stuff that real men aren't supposed to do. And since it's, you know, stereotypical wrestling, yes. 
Um, we, of course, today we all know that, you know, these stereotypes are offensive and harmful and shouldn't be done. Um, but for the most part, we had a lot of fun with it and it was comedy based and it wasn't, uh, I was not a bad guy. See, that was the thing. I did not make my ambiguously gay person a bad guy. He was quite the, uh, the life of the party and uh, did a lot of fun stuff. But yes, I stole the man's man entrance song um, just for the opposites uh, effect of the character that I was portraying. So, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was very ambiguous. You know, we didn't come out and say, you know, what your orientation was. Uh, what was written on your shirt again? Was it, what was written on my shirt? Meat flop. Now. Oh, that's right. I had the meat flop shirt. Yes. Now, that doesn't yes. really give anything away. We're still being very ambiguous with that shirt. That could be anything, right? Well, yes. Uh, see, the meat flop went back to high school, um, where a couple of the baseball oh, coaches I had were... were <laughs> uh, the meat flop and peons were synonymous. Uh, so meat flop basically means beggar, poor man, uh, you know, a hardworking person who's not smart, not necessarily any other kind of uh, gay gay slur or anything along those lines. But since we were doing an ambiguous uh, androgynous character, uh, Meat Flop kind of had a double entendre meeting there. So it worked. It worked. Well, hey, that just goes to show you that uh, there's something good that came out of the real man's man character. And uh, yeah, moving on. <laughs> so, of course, uh, William Regal... Um, he was battling some demons, as they like to say, in the wrestling business. And uh, he, he, I, I, I remember reading about the details of this, and it's, a, it's really is uh, just incredible that William Regal is still with us, um, because he very, very closely drank himself to death multiple times. Um, but he kicked out, ladies and gentlemen, and this is a redemption story. And I'm so glad that he was able to get a second chance. Because, let, I mean, just frankly, his second run, while we don't love it because we see him as a bigger star than maybe he was portrayed in WWE, there was so many great moments and segments and matches that came out of this second run. And so I'm going to pick it up there, and I'll mention a few of these matches. But yeah, And, you know, like, I want to piggyback on that because, you know, I kind of briefly touched on this as we were talking about William Regal. You know, I honestly... I'm pretty sure he wouldn't change a lot because I think he had a really great career. He was consistent. You know, he has a great role there now. Everyone, He's well-respected. It's just that we, as guys who have been in the business and appreciate the technical wrestling, we just maybe have some fantasy ideas that we would have loved to have seen a guy of his caliber do. Uh, we certainly feel like he was worth more in the serious realm. I'm pretty sure that's where we're going to be going, both of us. You know, we love the comedy Regal, but I'm pretty sure there's room for seriousness with uh, what he brings to the table. But uh, I just wanted to kind of touch on that, that really I enjoyed his career. He's given me a lot of laughs and a lot of good moments and memories and matches. But I definitely, I definitely think there could have been more done had he been more healthy, had he been on the straight and narrow, had the machine had been a little more behind him. Uh, all those factors, we're going to kind of pretend that that's all in play and see what we come up with. So, yes, to just to piggyback on the idea that William Regal did have a great career, uh, four-time European champion, uh, two-time Intercontinental champion, 
uh, I mean, it's here, so we'll say it, five-time hardcore champion, uh, the 2008 King of the Ring, and also four-time tag team champion with three different tag team partners, Lance Storm, Eugene, and Tajiri. Uh, he also was a four-time uh, world uh, WCW uh, television champion, which was one of the things that made me kind of fall in love with the business. We've talked about it many a time. Uh, early on in my fandom, I watched WCW for the television title uh, because we had William Regal, uh, Paul Orndorff, and Stunning Steve Austin were the, the television champions in my early fandom before I stopped watching WCW. And uh, I just loved it. Uh, it's where I fell in love with Two Gold Scorpio, which will be uh, coming up on a future Take It Up With Creative. Um, but... Enough filibustering. 2002, September 18th, 2000. Sorry. Uh, William Regal makes his debut. And in October, for the first time, becomes the European champion. So he didn't waste much time. And, and really, this is another one where it sounds like they kick it off pretty well. Except for in October. or in De Okay, so won the title in October. December, loses the belt to Crash Holly for two days. Wins it back. And then in January, loses the belt to Test. So, oh, I mean, right away, the level of competition isn't great, but, you know, championships, cool. Um, and then, very short order, within six months, in March of 2001, he becomes the commissioner, which is great. Um, but the problem is, very quickly after that, he kind of became a little bit of a comedy character, a little bit of that tweener. They gave him Tajiri as his assistant, and which Fantastic was a lot of fun. television. Yeah. A lot of fun, some great, great television. Um, but, you know, to Jerry's sidekick, William Regal doing funny already four months, you know, five months in. Not the best uh, if you're going to make a top guy. Uh, then he turned heel to cost Kurt Angle the title during the invasion gimmick. Uh, and he was promptly fired from his commissionership by Linda McMahon, to which Shane McMahon countered and hired him as the commissioner of the Alliance. Um, but unfortunately, as we've covered extensively, the whole invasion angle ball was dropped, and uh, by Survivor Series, uh, after WrestleMania, mind you, WrestleMania was when it started, uh, when the invasion was announced. The invasion didn't actually happen until, like, July, so a couple months later. So from July till November, that was the whole invasion angle, that was the whole alliance angle. And ah, once this angle was over, William Regal had to grovel for his job. And he became the very first member of the Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club. Ah. One year in, he's literally kissing the exposed ass of Vincent Kennedy McMahon on national television ladies and gentlemen you liked it uh, i i liked it because regal was so good that he could get anything over and he got the kiss my ass club over um but you know this really got me kind of thinking about a possible feud that i really would have that that maybe not everyone would think about for william regal but i would love to see and we'll just hold on to that for a little bit um so that moves us on to 2002 2003 uh, he wins the Intercontinental title from Edge at the Royal Rumble, which was nice. Uh, 
Rocky introduced the power of the punch that year. That's when he he won the title with the brass knuckles. Uh, the power of the punch gimmick is one of my favorite things that's ever happened. William Regal is the perfect guy to pull it off, and he did it so well um, that I still to this day it's one of my favorite angles that's ever happened. So again, like we loved everything Regal did, and that's why it's weird that we're shitting on it and rebooking it. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, so then. He lost the belt at Great American, or uh, in a great match, great match at WrestleMania 18. Go out of your way to watch the opening match of WrestleMania 18: William Regal versus Rob Van Dam for the Intercontinental Title. It is fan freaking tastic. Um, but very shortly after that, he beats Diamond Dallas Page for the European Title again. There you go. And uh, then he joined the Un-Americans. The Un-American gimmick, or the Un-Americans run. Lasted all of three months because Lance Storm and Test were afraid to get heat and they didn't want to do the gimmick. And so it died off very quickly. And then after that, he just had a variety of tag teams, as we spoke about, with Eugene and Tajiri and Lan- and Paul Birchall, of all people. There's a name we're not going to talk about often. Do you have any good Paul Birchall memories there, Ronald? The pirate. I love the pirate. And he also had that creepy, I might be fucking my sister gimmick. Yes, what was that about? Fucking his sister, ambiguously. I mean, she was she's absolutely incredible. Oh but, yeah. Uh, I mean, sister. But like not sister. worth her being my sibling. <laughs> uh and then after the various tag teams at one point he joined the King's Court with Booker T uh and was involved in some of that nonsense. And then in 2007 he was dubbed the general manager again for a short time. Uh, 2008, he won the United States title, which was not listed in his uh, accomplishments. So bad on you, Wikipedia. But uh, U.S. champion 2007, or 2008, King of the Ring, and won the U.S. title. And then, of course, 2009, he got shipped off to be a part of that ECW bullshit. And then uh, he was a very integral part of the very first two seasons of NXT when they just kind of took over the tough enough angle and made that NXT and uh, then he's really kind of been involved with NXT since the beginning. Um, I mean, after 2009, 2010, he did some sporadic appearances, basically became just a lowly jobber. And uh, we would see him whenever someone needed to have a good match. And uh, that was about it. And now he has been with NXT since 2014. As the general manager. Yeah, as the general manager. Um, and, and, and it's just like, to me, um, before we, you know, take our liberties and, and tweak some of this history here. It, it's just incredible for someone to be with the company for 20 years, especially from, from the first, just, I mean, utter failure um, of his first run. And, and I'm just, I'm really glad he was able to get the help he needed and he's been clean and sober um, for this long and he's doing a great job as a general manager. I know that uh, my sister is a big fan of him as a person which makes me like him even more as if I needed more reasons to to like Regal. But uh, that's going to bring us up to where we are. So when William Regal made his debut, just to refresh everyone's memory, the year 2000 in September, we've got Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Christian and Edge, Chavo Guerrero's there at this point. Davey Boy Smith is still hanging around. Al Snow, Albert, Bossman, The Big Show, The New Age Outlaws, X-Pac, Triple H, 
the Disciples of Apocalypse, Edging Christian, the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys, Taka and Funaki. My goodness, Taka and Funaki, ladies and gentlemen. We know what kind of great content they add to this show. So don't be surprised to hear from them today. This is also when we were introduced to the Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. And of course, McFoley's still there. We got Perry Saturn, Raven, Rikishi, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Taz, The Rock, and Val Venus, amongst others. I mean, The Undertaker and Kane are obviously still there. So, my goodness, Ronald. Um, so, I, I guess just how do you feel about William Regal's run before we get into it? I mean, like like I said and touched on before we started talking about his actual run, uh, you know, I in a lot of ways wouldn't change a thing. You know, I loved his run. I love that he's been there for so long. I love the respect he gets on, in documentaries. You know, all of his funny stuff was good. There wasn't anything that you would roll your eyes at. You know, he jumped in with both feet. When they asked him to be serious, he could be serious. When they asked him to be funny, he was definitely funny. When they asked him to be a general manager, he was a good general manager. One of the good ones. And now he's one of the best trainers. And what better person to learn from than William Regal? Good Lord. So, yeah, in a lot of ways, I wouldn't change a thing. But, you know, as fans of his work, his in-ring, bell-to-bell work, you know, how can you not talk about and try to move pieces around to make it a little more tasteful for, like, the wrestling fan? You want to see him in big angles. I think he had the capabilities of being in big angles. And we're just going to assume that, you know, the audience just wasn't biting on Regal at the time, and he was more fitted on a main stage to be the comedic, occasional, prissy British guy, uh, you know, for my money, I think the most over he ever was to that audience was when he was basically Mary Poppins to Eugene. You know, that's when <laughs> I, I'm, I'm dead serious. That's when everyone kind of like liked him as a baby face. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I love William Regal, and I think we're going to do him justice today just because, you know, while we're not, this is going to be a different take it up creative because because all the other ones we have just completely shit on what actually happened with anger in our voice but you know this is just like you know you know we love the guy he did great but let's do him justice today all right so uh you uh went first last time because you had a brilliant idea you couldn't wait to share and you blew everyone's mind with your just incredible owen hart pitch uh do you have anything in mind or would you like me to take the reins today and go first well for the sake of variety why don't you go first you know maybe maybe you just hyped me up too much and i'm gonna shit the bed today (laughs) okay so for me um trying to put myself in that 2000 headspace this is like full on we're fully into the heel mcmahon's we had that god-awful main event with the McMahon in every corner at WrestleMania 2000. Um, so we're in full bore uh, Vince McMahon on top. Um, so for me, uh, my first, the right away, I'm having Vince McMahon introduce William Regal as the newest member of his trusted, you know, close, close personal friend uh, because he needs a serious fighter. He needs a guy that can get shit done. He needs a guy that can handle himself. And uh, we know we know that the WCW thing is just around the corner uh, because we're going back in 2020 hindsight. But uh, 
we don't i don't think vince mcmahon quite knows just yet um but uh, my idea for the angle is just that he brings in this new guy and he focuses immediately on the influx of talent that's coming in there's a bunch of guys jumping the lines and william regal's not too happy about it uh and right away i'm going same thing right away let's just debut him Vince McMahon is going to dub him his new guy. He's going to put him right in the ring with Al Snow and give him that damn European title because, you know, he's European. So fuck it. <laughs> I love the start. It's a great start. Let's put a belt on him immediately. It's very Vince McMahon. Damn it. He's European. Dig up that European title and put it on him. Yes. But uh, we're we're going to skip Test and we're going to skip Crash Holly. Um, not because I don't think Regal could get a good match out of them. But oh. I want to establish William Regal as a as just an incredible in-ring performer right away. So I'm skipping right ahead to the likes of the Radicals, and I'm putting him in the ring with Terry Saturn. I'm putting him in the, in the ring with Jericho, with the Kurt Angles of the world right away. And uh, I'm going to have him beating everybody. I mean, he is going to just destroy people right away. I mean, not squash matches. He's going to have these phenomenal matches because I want to get over that this guy's a brawler but he's also technically sound. I'm going to be pushing the angle that Vince McMahon put him over as the best in-ring performer in the business today. It's like, yeah, Triple H might be bigger and stronger. The Rock might have more charisma, but this guy is, doesn't put up with anyone's bullshit and he can take down anyone. And right away, I'm putting him in the ring with, with Eddie and Benoit and Jericho so that I can get those great matches out of the way. And I am double championing uh william regal immediate like almost immediately within the first six months i've got the euro continental champion william regal you, that's cute kurt angle that you did it but no i'm saving that i'm putting that on william regal because he's paid his dues he's been fighting bare knuckles since he was six you know 14 years old in the professional wrestling business so that's my guy and that's my my you know he might not be the king like triple h but like he's, you know, he's my bishop. He's right there if we're using chess pieces. So I'm Vince McMahon. Now I, I've added William Regal to Triple H and whoever else is in the corporation at the time. And uh, I've got something special there. I've got all the titles, everything leading up to WrestleMania 15. I've And the best part is now I have someone else that I can throw at Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's no joke because the whole the, the whole buildup for me is that after WrestleMania 15, I got to have someone else for Austin. And that's 16. someone. 16, correct. Well, no, 2000 was 16, right? Oh, so we're talking about leading into 17. My goodness, what am I talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, these are running together. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about Owen Hart and this and that. No, rewind. So going into 17, I need something because I am not turning Stone Cold Steve Austin heel, you dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> at least at least not yet but the best part about all this william regal buildup is that as soon as wrestlemania is over i've already been kind of putting over that he doesn't appreciate the the uh the radicals and the rvds of the of the world and the regals so when this invasion happens William Regal is Vince McMahon's most loyal subject, his most loyal guy. He's hasn't failed him yet. He's undefeated at this point. He even got some kind of a nine t- non-title win over Austin at some point in this buildup. 
So the, the, the brilliant thing is now I have a real heel. I can feud him with Rock. I can feud him with Austin. I can feud him with The Undertaker. But the best part is I have this invasion angle. So if I do want to have some of my main roster guys to jump ship, like a Kurt Angle or like a Stone Cold Steve Austin, I still have my guy, William Regal, with me. And as we've said before when we talked about the invasion angle uh, in our Taz episode, there's no fucking way I'm making the alliance the heels in this story. Vince McMahon is the heel. That's it. That's all there is to it. He's the the leader of the WWF. He's the evil emperor. And so now I've got a heel Regal and heel Triple H and and whoever I want with Vince McMahon. So, I, but I've got this Regal guy who can have these great matches with Lance Storm with Tajiri in the invasion angle, but. The thing that I really want to see, my centerpiece of this William Regal thing, is I just need to see this William Regal feuding with Rikishi because I just see the faces that Regal can make about Rikishi's ass and just the whole setup to the stink face and all this. This is just one sidebar that I need in my life to have Regal feud with Rikishi for like three months and all of it is built around his it just Regal cutting these awesome promos about his stinking ass. And oh, there's just so many possibilities. But the long and short of it is when we have this invasion angle, the, the key feud involved is I've got William Regal versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. And uh, that's what I'm building up to. And there's going to be a Steven Regal world championship reign under my book i guarantee it that's what the build-up is to um and when it's all said and done this invasion angle is going to have a lot more legs than it had and uh, i think regal is a perfect guy to be the centerpiece of that um on vince mcmahon's side um and there's not going to be a kiss my ass promo i don't care what anyone says ronald <laughs> maybe there is so, but william regal is the ass you got to kiss that would be great yeah, the the Pucker My Derriere Club. <laughs> so that's where I'm at from now. I might I might be a little bit inspired by whatever you come up with. That's why I like to I like to think of this kind of as a little bit of a, a booking meeting, so we can come up with you know ideas together. And that's the um, best that's the best way to do it. And boy, do I have a doozy! And boy, I was grinning ear to ear when I was hearing your cast. Because you might be surprised as to what I went with as well. So 2000, this is when Mick Foley was the commissioner. And he is doing a little investigation uh, in the summertime of finding out who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it's to the point where Mick Foley, uh, it's really distracting him from his job. All he's doing, he is consumed with figuring out who did it. So he's going around and he's missing stuff. He's missing interferences. And while the while, William Regal is kind of like politicking to the higher ups, like uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he's a commissioner. And he's dropping the ball. He's uh, he's he's on this wild goose chase on who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I just think it's you know it, it, it's not going well. And he's just kind of planting those seeds that we should get rid of Foley as commissioner so he can take the job. And eventually, it it works. Mick Foley drops the ball and doesn't oversee something that is really critical to the night and the moment, uh, you know, kind of use your imagination there. And he loses the job just in time for William Regal to swoop in and go, well, 
I should take it. I should take this job. And that is how we bring in William Regal as the commissioner. But wait, we're going for even further down the rabbit hole with this story because Vince McMahon says, fine, you can have this job. You are the commissioner. But here's the caveat. There's something to Mick Foley's search. And the first thing you need to do as commissioner is find out who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. And we come to find out that William Regal not only has been trying to get the job, but he's been trying to deter Mick Foley from this investigation as a whole. Because he comes out and he accuses Rikishi of the act, like in real life, except Mick Foley <laughs> is the one that accused him. And so we, get, we almost get the big reveal, and Stone Cold comes out because there's actually video, video footage new video footage of a, someone in blonde hair because that was released in the magazines at the time. Someone in blonde hair ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin and that's what narrowed down the search from William, for William Regal. So Austin comes out and he is and he is on a house of fire. He's going to come and beat the shit out of Rikishi and you know, we just we didn't we know now. You know, we, we you know, we got him. And after all that said and done, William Regal just fucking chop block Stone Cold Steve Austin out of nowhere completely picks him apart as a wrestler during a beatdown we're seeing him pick apart stone cold steve austin's limbs to where he can't walk we're seeing him pick apart his arms so he can't throw punches we're seeing a scientific beatdown something that we never see it's usually just chairs punches and kicks but we're seeing like a wrestling hunter actually take over his prey and not give him an ounce of chance to get the upper hand which is stone cold steve austin is known to do and then we get a very methodical sit down while Stone Cold is fucked up. And William Regal explains, you know, you can't get ahead with your skill in this company. And let me tell you something about power. I look around and I see a lot of power and brawn and body and strength. But real power is up here. Real power is up here. Real monstrosities live up here. And what is more monstrous than taking out the poster boy of this company and then aligning yourself as the most powerful job in this company. And now I have all control. I have the poster boy on his knees and Hey, let me, let's go to the video footage and they show the video footage. And yes, there was somebody in a wig that ran over stone cold, uh, blonde hair. There was somebody with blonde hair, but it was William Regal with the blonde hair. So after all this time, it comes to find out, that William Regal is the guy that ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that was his big plan to get to remove the top guy, move into a position of power, so now he can book his own shit. And from right then and there, we see William Regal enter himself in the King of the Ring, and he puts a stipulation on each one of his matches to where he doesn't have to work hard at all to win it. He brings back the Duchess of Queensbury rules as the commissioner. I love this. I love this. Keep going, Ronald. Yes, we see a man live booking his whole career in front of us because he knows as the best wrestler in the world, he ain't going to get the same shot as The Rock and Stone Cold. It doesn't matter how good he is and who he can beat. He is going to be background noise. And what better way to actually infiltrate the company in a position of power and doing something as dastardly as being the guy to run over Stone Cold Steve Austin. Boom, he is not a comedy heel anymore. He is the heel of all heels. I think a better choice than Rikishi at this point. 
and he has a reason to do it <laughs> instead of helping somebody else. I did it for the rock. So, uh, yeah, no shit. I think anybody would have been a better choice than Rikishi. Nobody wanted to hate that son of a bitch. Like yes. nobody wanted to be mad at Rikishi. No one wanted to hate him. I love where your head's at. I'll step out of your way. So, so we just dangled the carrot in front of the audience. We just had the big blow off of who done it, and we thought we were gonna get the big beat down of the of the villain who did it. But we got not only a beat down of someone who was innocent the whole time. Now we have the guy that we're supposed to be cheering for to get the revenge injured all over again, and it's not even the injury that he sustained from the car. It's his freaking legs and arms. And so they actually stretch her Austin out, and we pan into William Regal because this is a birth of someone we've never seen up until now. You know, we, we had no idea that he was capable of this. And now we, we are introduced to the, William, the, the real William Regal. And while Austin's gone, he's got a hell of a, a hell of a feud to go forward with Rikishi, which is why I was grinning because you had him go against Rikishi, except yes. I did a little, I did a little pomp and circumstance with how we got there. So I think a good way to establish Regal bell to bell now is to completely pick a super heavyweight apart limb from limb. And then like just sell to the camera, you know, like Austin's watching at home and just have him narrate what he's doing and like be the wrestling scientist like now see here the joints the joints act this way if you turn them that way yeah it kind of like yeah, the yeah. car kind of like the car right steve and then just do the neck twist on rikishi really just make him a vile wrestling scientist villain to where like oh this is what doesn't draw money right well it definitely draws injury doesn't it and then just <laughs> completely just shit in people's cornflakes that he's not a sports entertainer we're doubling down on his ruthless blackpool uh, bare knuckle fighter guy that just wants to hurt people and get ahead in life no matter how he no matter how he does it and then we finally get the big return of stone cold steve austin and this is something that i tried to stay away from because i think at this point everybody wants to book the guy to be the champion you know that that's usually every fans go to and within good reason you know like i'll just put the belt on him. but no i'm i just want to tell a compelling story to where his status is inarguable and yeah. doing this to Stone Cold Steve Austin and being a like a hateable heel because that's that's where I go for. I go for the type of storylines that make you the hateable heel. I don't want you cheered because of how awesome you are. You know, just because you tell the audience to shut up doesn't make you a heel. You need to actually believe what you're doing and actually buy into what you're doing and have a reason. Because you know, stop me when I you know have you know. This is the most true uh, form of William Regal that there is. You know, if we're really peeling the curtain back, you know, he's got all of his gripes. You know, I'm definitely not condoning running someone someone over with a car. But in the yeah, world, no, no. Of pro, in yeah, the world yeah, of pro wrestling, in the world of pro wrestling, everything he's saying in this storyline is kind of tr true. You know, his his style of wrestling isn't drawing money. The audience doesn't care. So what does he got to do? He's got to go into the playground and defeat the biggest baddest guy on the planet. He ain't going to get a match with him, so let's hit the motherfucker with a car. <laughs> and then let's politic to get the commissioner out. So not only am I an active wrestler, I'm also the, I'm also the person in power. Now, since I can't get uh, my just due from the higher-ups and the boys, I'm going to make my own career. And the, yeah, I'm going to abuse my power. Yes, yes. And, you know, he wins King of the Ring. Uh, he fucking and you know yeah without about... actually deserving to win any of the matches 
but yeah. in his mind, in his mind, he does. He and he goes on thinking he's royalty, like he is the king of the ring, the king of wrestling. He's you know, uh, and then we just finally get that return of Stone Cold, and Stone Cold will definitely get his revenge. But you know, for me, no championships, no uh, you know, no big glory moment for him. Just you know compelling story that makes him solidified as a top guy and have a reason to rub shoulders with the top guy you know because you know on paper i'm sure that a casual fan like william regal and stone cold hmm. but you know it's all about how you get there and the story you oh, tell for sure and you know i i'm a, i am a sucker for how you get places you know and... well and the thing is like i mean i i we all love rikishi he's he, he was he was a wonderful lovable baby face with the character and the dancing and his athleticism, realistically, was a huge part of it. But, I mean, let's just be honest. He, him being the one who ran over Austin was, was a, a turd. I mean, it was, it was just a fart in the wind. It, it, it was nothing. And so uh, Regal would have been uh, the, just the promo in and of itself of Regal doing that. He would have been able to pull this off a lot better than Rikishi did. And that I I don't want I I don't mean that to be a slight to Rikishi. It's just you know, the the uh, the promo part was not his strong suit. You know, Rikishi was not a good promo. And as fun as he was with the dancing and and, and the whole gimmick with too cool and and all of that was it was great. But I mean, he wasn't going to talk people into the seat. Um. And and he was such a fun-loving, happy-go-lucky guy for so many years. It was hard to buy him as a credible badass, you know. Whereas Regal was credible. He was absolutely awesome. And uh, as much as I, I liked that they elevated Rikishi to that main event spot for a little while because I thought his in-ring work deserved to kind of kind of rub shoulders with it, I I really think this was the kind of angle where you could make Regal. Um, to that point where him being a champion would have been undeniable at some point. Like he would have had to have been a champion uh, the same way the fans were clamoring for Eddie Guerrero to get that title. I mean, like there, there's a lot of fans, you know, the, of our ilk, you know, the smarter fans that appreciate the in-ring uh, more so even than the promos and stuff. But uh, Regal just never kind of got to that level because you know, Eddie was a little more flashy, and, and, and guys like Shawn Michaels had a little more athletic ability than Regal. Um, so you really, it wasn't as easy for people to get behind him being the champion. Um, and, and so there was never like a huge swelling of support for him to be champion. But I think this storyline that you just pitched right now, um, something where, where we can, his in ring style will back up him being a mean son of a bitch. I just either way, I think we we're in agreement. We had to make him really a serious heel at some point to make him a top guy and elevate him to that level. And I think you just you nailed it. Your storyline again, Ronald, that's two in a row where you absolutely nailed the the setup to get these lines going. And I, I always appreciate when we have like the same opponents in in mind for him when it's going down the road. And uh, I think this just was a, a great conversation and how we get there. Uh, together in a booking meeting to uh, get someone over. And, and I, I will tip my cap again to you again, sir. I think you have won the day with the best idea. Well, thank um, you. Yeah, I, I do. I do grin from ear to ear when we have these conversations, because we could always go back and say what could have been. And, you know, uh, that's kind of like where my storyline ends. You know, 
I, I kind of leave it up to the audience or you to kind of fill in the blanks afterwards. All I care about is now he's made. And well, see now, but see now, I, I where I started my storyline. This is where I'd rather put my start is at the end of your storyline. Now that he's been elevated to that point where we know he's a credible threat to Austin, and maybe he does come up short. I like that. I I like maybe him coming up short, and that's when he can you know settle for the Intercontinental Title. But he's elevated to the point where any time after this, it, it won't take much to get him into that main event area, kind of like what they did with Kane or the Big Show for years and years and years. Yeah, Where cause... they're not necessarily ever going to be the guy, but, I mean, you know, maybe, and, and maybe after this storyline with Austin, if he was the one who ran him over and he tricked his way into power and he was this conniving and brilliant, like, there's no way he wouldn't end up with an accidental three-month title reign at some point. Oh, but for I, I just sure. Think, yeah, at this point, we made him a top guy in that in that ilk of being in the cane conversation where we have a monster heel even though he's not a monster that that we can quickly elevate any time uh to get in there with a rock or austin or undertaker even um and and keep him strong over the years and then he doesn't have to settle in for comedy tag team spots <laughs> and plus like you know william regal is known for being underhanded and doing like underhanded dick things but i think he he could keep you could still keep that but have them be really fucked up like another thing that i would yeah. do another thing that i would do when when triple h was gone for months and he returned at the garden i would have had william regal completely come out and go right after that knee just kill yeah. that audience, kill it. Ha have him cool off. Have him get removed as the as the commissioner somewhere down the road from two thousand one to two thousand two, and then when he kind of cools off, not having as much power but still being a vicious asshole, that is what catapults him back to top guy nuclear heat. Ruin completely ruin that return for Triple H, and hey, the story writes itself there. They could even go down to have a stipulation, a first blue blood match, because. Yeah, and, yeah, and he's like, "Oh, welcome back! You have an injury that sticks out like a sore thumb. I guess I better terrorize it." So, uh, <laughs> I I love I love watching your face when like you realize you have a great line and you're just like waiting to get it out. Like it's so good. <laughs> just have him completely ruin it at the garden. Just go after his knee. And then just build that up to whatever pay per view was next. William Regal versus Triple H. Yeah, that been good. And, and see, but now, now here we are. Where we're, we're not necessarily crowning Regal as the guy, but we're making him a guy. Like he's in that conversation now, where he's elevated into that Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, The Rock. Like he's in that level with Hunter. He's not quite Austin. He's not quite The Rock. And we understand that was never going to happen. But like he's in that next level there now. Um, based on our, our great storytelling here today. But then we also have set him up where he can have these great matches and tell these great stories built around, guess what, in-ring performance. And uh, it plays to his strengths even more. But he also had the chops to be able to deliver the promos and the character work to make all this work. So I, I, I think you're probably right. Uh, it's a little too ambitious to think that William Regal could be the tippy-top guy um, but I, I think we did a good job today of elevating him into that next step where he doesn't end up in mid-card purgatory. Yeah, no, and I and I tried very hard to not be the fickle fan that just says, well, you should have just put the title on him. No, I really wanted to 
just you know if i'm gonna be a fan and have a critique and do some tweaks and you know twists you know i i kind of want to try to you know pitch a really good pivotal storytelling storyline that would actually solidify someone as a top guy because as your sister eloquently said it's not about the moves not about the titles it's about the connections and i agree wholeheartedly it's about the connections you make and man if you come out and say that you ran over stone cold steve austin and you explain your you, you explain why as if you're the victim uh what a what a good scenario all right ladies and gentlemen that is going to do it this week for the creative team uh i i, I just i got a one last tip of the cap that's two Take it ups in a row where Ronald destroyed me uh, with the brilliant ideas. But I think together, uh, overall, we have come up with a fantastic storyline yet again. Um, and uh, I don't think there's any argument that William Regal would have been a made man after we uh, got done with it. So next week, ladies and gentlemen, we will be doing our fantasy draft, the 2021 fantasy draft. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we don't spend a lot of time talking about current wrestling, um, but right now it's just so good. It's kind of just giving us a little bit of inspiration. We're going to do this, and then we'll fantasy book a fantastic show based on the draft. I hope, I hope I win my first coin toss ever so I can get Walter. Uh, how, do you, how are you feeling? Are you excited about the 2021 fantasy wrestling? The people have been asking for it. Judges have been asking for it. And, you know, I've been I've been pretty adamant about keeping this nostalgia friendly. But, you know, hey, you know, we're, we, we listen to our audience and we're going to go current. And I we do keep up with current stuff. I am a fan of what's going on right now. I have a lot of dream matches that I'm going to be going for. And <laughs> yes, and yes, absolutely. It is the cat's out of the bag. It is a race for Walter. And I cannot wait to get this draft going. I can. I. Uh, I just hope that uh, you know. In a way, this might work out in my favor. And I know I'm filibustering right now, but I got to get this in. Uh, but the fact that in current times there is no Undertaker, I won't get pissed off easily <laughs> because there's no Undertaker to pick. That's so right. there's no there's no Undertaker. There's no Bret Hart. So the judges aren't going to be just ripping our hearts out and throwing it on the floor and stomping on it. So. <laughs> At least there's that. <laughs> oh, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, thanks for being us, being here with us this week. Uh, we look forward to another exciting fantasy draft on Take It Up or on the Creative Team. Also, following that draft, we will have a couple more Take It Up with Creatives coming. Of course, we're going to keep the top tens going, and eventually, we will get around to another bracket. Uh, it, this has been a lot of fun. We love being here with you guys every Wednesday night, wherever you get your podcast. So for my co-host, Ron Kilborn, I am your host, Cole Dawson, saying thank you for listening. We love you, and good night. Mwah. Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly on Instagram or Twitter at Ron for Your Life. Number four, we'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? 
I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.